0: First of all, thank you for taking your part of your Father's Day to worship with us this morning. Do me a favor, if you're a father here this morning, would you stand? And we want to applaud you, and we also want to pray over you. So dads, thank you for coming out this morning. Um, the influence of a father probably can't be overstated enough, Um and so, as you stand here this morning, it's a, it's a weighty uh, burden, uh, a weighty challenge. And I hope for each and every one of you that you uh, tap into Christ. Uh, allow him to be your life and allow him to be radiated and reflected through your life and uh, so thank you man for standing uh, let me pray over you and, and just ask a blessing on our homes and on you as dads and uh, that god would continue to use your life to influence your family okay let's pray heavenly father uh, you know we start this prayer by addressing you our father and uh, uh, it's it's crazy to me God, of all the Word pictures that you could have given us to describe you uh, You have given us the idea of a father and and then as men we we take that into our homes God And there is no possible way that we could live up to the perfect father that you are But God with that said you have <laughs> called us to this influence in our homes I pray that we would bow a knee to Christ and that <clears throat> our influence God would would be Uh, The Holy Spirit bearing the fruits of the Spirit in and through our lives. I want to pray for the one in this room this morning that uh, when Father's Day comes around, it's not always a great celebration because of sin and brokenness in their own home. The image of a father was far less than they would have hoped. And so I pray for that person, God, that they would... um, trust what the scriptures say about our heavenly father. Uh, They would believe in the perfect father, our good father, our holy father, our righteous father, and that you, God, in a very real way would be near to them. I want to pray for the one in this room who maybe their father passed recently, and so today in some ways is a matter of sadness and grieving that you would draw near to them in their hearts, God, and in their minds. And then, God, for everybody standing here, Lord, while we have breath, that we would influence our families in a way to make Jesus famous. So thank you for our dads that are standing here. Thank you for them taking a part of the, this special day to gather for corporate <laughs> worship uh, and influence their families to show its importance. And so thank you for these men standing. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Man, Well done. Okay. I would like to say this. Thank you to the women's ministry at Coastal Community Church for providing donuts for dads. Right, guys? So I hope you got one. If you didn't, make sure you get one or two. I've already had three or four. But anyway, I mean, help yourself. And then those of you who overeat... Um, <laughs> We're going to do a 5K at 1 o'clock right here, okay, to try, just kidding, I ain't doing, do I look like a 5K? No way. Uh, so anyway, yeah, come on, thank you ladies for doing that, and uh, you know, by the way, this is a side note, we have a great women's and men's ministry at Coastal Community Church, so you know, if you're not involved in them, thank you for you leaders, and and uh, man, it's a great opportunity to uh, get plugged in at Coastal Community Church. I, um, I have three children, um, my oldest son is... is uh, uh, growing to be a man of God, it's neat to watch him grow uh, close to the Lord as a young man and watch him develop as a young man. He he's quiet and he's reserved uh, most of the time. Uh, the one time that there's like this this switch that flips in him is when we're watching our favorite NFL team together, and so we'll gather around the TV and we're watching our favorite team together, and something goes off in him, and he is nearly impossible to watch a game with. He's he's so loud and. he gets so angry, and he watches the entire game in anger and angst, and uh, it's really uncomfortable. And so every time our team doesn't... literally if our favorite NFL team doesn't score a touchdown on every play, he's screaming at the TV, what's wrong with you guys? And I'm like, dude, there's 11 other guys on the other side trying to stop them. Okay. It's not so easy, you know? And so, and, uh, and so he just gets angry and, and, and every so often as he's yelling at the TV, I kind of look at him and I'm like, I've created a monster, man, you know, like, wow, you know, and, and, uh, and, and, you know, I kind of prayed this, you know, but, you know, man, and, and, and today's Father's Day, and so we're going to look at a father uh, that we're going to, we're actually going to go backwards in John. So if you ever when we you go to John chapter four, and there's a handout. We're going to look at this father that had this interaction with Christ, but, uh, you know, our, your influence, fathers, and certainly parents as well, but uh, your influence cannot be overstated enough all right? Uh, The power of your life and um, the degree in which it influences other people—it's hard to overstate that. It's incredible. In fact, even as adults, if you're sitting here uh, this morning and you're an adult, and your adult parents are still alive, like it's incredible how much influence they still have in your life. And if you have adult children, it's amazing how much influence you still have in the lives of your children. You know, even as they're adults, our our influence extends, and it's it's a um, it's a powerful thing, and it's a it's an incredible thing, and 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 can weigh heavy on our hearts as a parent. Like wow, you know what, uh, you know we uh, more is caught than taught, truly. And and so uh, last week, Joey looked at uh, Pastor Joey looked at John chapter four, did an excellent job unpacking with the woman at the well, and and. Um, And so, uh, this morning, I want to kind of continue in John chapter four, and and you're you're hearing enough themes in the Gospel of John. I think you're starting to get some of the key themes in the Gospel of John. One is belief and unbelief, and 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 the second kind of theme that's getting woven throughout this Gospel is people wanted Jesus to be who they wanted Him to be, rather than the Jesus of the Gospel. Some of us in this room, you know, we kind of worship the Jesus that we want Him to be, rather than the Jesus who is as revealed to us in scripture. And and so the first thing I want you to see is there in John chapter four, so Jesus moves from this interaction with the woman at the well. He moves into another town and they welcome Jesus, but they welcome him on their terms. It's the Jesus that they want and not the Jesus who is. John chapter four, verse 43 says this. It says, at the end of, two, of the two days, Remember, Jesus stayed over in Samaria, okay? At the end of two days, Jesus went on to Galilee. He himself had said that a prophet is not honored in his hometown or in his own town. Own hometown. Yet. The Galileans, they welcomed him for uh, they had been in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration and they had seen everything he did there. So in other words, uh, the Galileans were like, oh man, remember all those cool things Jesus did? He did all these really neat miracles. Here he comes. This is great. Let's have him in our hometown. As he traveled through Galilee, uh, he came to Cana where he turned the water into wine. All right. Now a couple of points here. First of all, the, uh, in this passage, is kind of one of the great... Proverbs that we even use today, right? That a prophet it doesn't have honor in his hometown, and and that has even made its way into into American culture. I mean, we kind of know what that means, you know that that you know when you go back home, and you know some of y'all know this. You've had great success in the workplace, you know God has raised you up and influenced leadership maybe in different areas, but you go home and you're always going to be you know the little guy to mom and dad's eyes or in the hometown community. And some of y'all, you know, you're like, I don't want to go back home because you know. I'm seen differently there. And and that proverb, that idea extends all the way back to the life of Christ. You know, in his hometown, it's like, oh, you know, he just doesn't have honor in his hometown. Those closest to Jesus very often struggled uh, to to honor him as the son of God and as the Messiah, okay? What these folks were looking for was Jesus the miracle worker, okay? Kind of Jesus the, the magician, if you will. I've been kind of repeating this throughout the series. Like The people of the Gospel of John and Jesus' interactions, there's either belief or unbelief. And those who have unbelief, they're having a hard time getting their heads around the Jesus of the Gospel of John, that he's the Messiah, that he's the Son of God, that he's God wrapped in flesh, set foot on the planet. They're having a hard time understanding that the greatest miracle of Jesus is the offering of eternal life. By grace through faith in him. That's what these folks are having a hard time getting their heads around. And so they welcomed him, but only if he would do some great miracle. Only if Jesus would kind of do a magic show. They go, "Woo, that's really cool. You know, Jesus is healing people, blind people receiving sight, and on and on it goes. So it's in this setting that Jesus is passing through this town, and this father comes up, and he's desperate for his son. All right? He's desperate for the life of his son. And so this father comes up, and he's humbled by human brokenness. This father comes, he's humbled by human brokenness. John chapter 4, verse 46, this father comes up, it says, As he traveled through Galilee, he came to Cana, uh, where he turned the water into wine. There was a government official in nearby Capernaum whose son was very sick. When he heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went and begged Jesus to come to Capernaum and heal his son who was about to die. Jesus asked, will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? So what's Jesus addressing here? Kind of this crowd mentality, like, you know, and, and for this father by the way, it was very specific. He, you know, it wasn't like, gee, I just want to see Jesus do a miracle." It's very specific to his son. He, he came with humility and he came with passion. And Jesus kind of looked at the crowd and said, Are "You guys ever going to get what I'm teaching? Cuz I'm not just a magic show. Like I'm not just going to do all these miracles." And the the official pleaded, Lord, please come now before my little boy dies. You know, uh, the human condition is a tremendous equalizer. The human condition is a tremendous equalizer. And you know, I've heard it said that the, that the ground... At the foot of the cross is even, it's flat. Have you ever heard that? And what that means is that you know, to to have eternal life means you gotta bow a knee to the person and work of Christ. And, and in that position, there, there's not there's not rich and poor, there's not man and woman, there's not slave and free, you know, there's not different races. It's all at the foot of the cross is flat. But you know what? The human condition's the same way. Brokenness, death, the result of sin, like. Uh, like, none of us gets out of this thing alive. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how successful you have or haven't been. It doesn't matter if you're slave or free, man or woman, different races, different countries, different nationalities, whatever. We all are going to come with, to grips with our humanity and our mortality. In fact, it's, it's coming to grips with our mortality that I think is the great equalizer. If you, if you never for a few moments consider the brevity of your life and this short opportunity which you have to have impact and have influence, then you are doing, you're living, uh, you're living as a fool, really. You really are not living with wisdom to number your days. And the, and the human condition is the great equalizer for every single one of us. And only a, only a very foolish person would, not, would leave here this morning and not consider, man, what does that mean that my days are numbered? What does it mean in the life after this one? I hope that one day when we stand around your graveside, we don't just simply say, well, they were a good person. And I, I remember one time way back when they, I think they got baptized yeah, I, I hear way too many funeral services where the only thing we could say about the person is some religious activity that happened decades prior, you know? And so this father comes and his son is dying. And so for him, man, it's, it's not a magic show, man. This is, a, this is a man who is humbled and he's broken by the condition of humanity, even all the way touching to his own son, and so he approaches Jesus, man, with passion and humility. He approaches Jesus with passion and humility. Jesus, please, please, right? I remember my youngest son years ago, he was probably three or four, I don't remember exactly, but, um, you know, when we had to, uh, my wife took him to his, his pediatrician um, to get his flu shot, and it was the first one he'd ever had. And you know when your kids are young and you gotta go get shots, you bribe them, right? And so, and so the bribery was, listen, if you get your flu shot, you know, we'll run you through Chick-fil-A, you know, get you some Chick-fil-A, so she bribed him. He went in and he, you know, he manned up and he got his flu shot. And, and uh, my wife was driving through Chick-fil-A. She made, placed his order, she was getting his order in the car and she looked in the rearview mirror to hand him the food back and he was having a hard time breathing. He was having an allergic reaction to the flu shot. And, uh, and so she, in a panic, she drove back to the doctor's office since that was the closest place to go. She gets to the doctor's office. The doctor says, listen, there's not much we You really need to get him to the ER. And the doctor said, we can either call 911. You can wait for the ambulance. Or you can try to get there yourself. Probably be faster if you try to get there. So she gets in the car. She drives, She calls me at this moment. She's like, Josh is having a hard time breathing. I'm trying to get to the ER. And, and I'm telling you, I told her, I said, look, you, you know, run the red light, do whatever you got to do. She got into the ER. She didn't, listen, she didn't fill out any paperwork, right? Oh, let me just, yeah, he's, you know, yeah, mail, yeah, it's birthday, yeah. No, no, no. This was run to the desk going, my son is having a hard time breathing, all right? Um, now uh, we punish him by saying, you're going to get the flu shot. Just kidding. So, uh, you know, he made it. He doesn't get, do, now he doesn't get the flu shot anymore. He just gets the flu every year. So, uh, <laughs> But man, as a parent, like you're in panic mode. It was incredible once he got there, you know, and he got an antihistamine, he was fine. But, you know, you're whatever it takes, right? Because the, the, the humanity is showing, like, I, there are things happening here that are out of my control. And mom wasn't concerned about all the rules. It's do whatever we need to do to make my son well. Dads, I hope that you get the spiritual implication this morning. Okay? Let me draw some spiritual parallels the great equalizer is the human condition. Every single one of us gets out of this thing with a funeral service except the return of Christ, unless that happens first. And so the most important thing that you can invest into your family and into your children is a spiritual understanding of their need for a savior, Jesus Christ. And it happened. Listen, you can't make them believe. I get that. But we need to do everything in our power with humility and passion to help our children understand the need for the, person and work of christ this father did not care he didn't care what he looked like to the other people he was passionate and pleading before the person of jesus christ i wonder dads do we pray as fervently for the salvation of our children as we do for a whole lot of other stuff what 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 gets the bulk of your prayers dad And I hope that your children, knowing Jesus Christ, is real high up there in passion and humility. What if, Dad, what if it... uh, we made, uh, around our lives, it's in passion and humility, we made sure our kids understood how passionate we were about Jesus Christ. What if, Dad, it was you who were the one gathering the family on Sunday service, Sunday morning, going, we're going to the service this morning. All too often, it is the moms going, let's go, let's go, and, it, you know, I just don't want to nag, you know, that kind of thing, and they really don't, because they want you to lead them, spiritually speaking. I read something really interesting a couple weeks ago. I shared this with the worship team. Uh, I read a study on churches in America that are growing, okay, and there was a couple elements of part of that, number one was churches in America that are really growing open the Word of God and believe it's God's Word and treat it as authoritative over their lives, okay? Number two, (laughs) churches in America that are growing are being led spiritually by men, okay? Now, this isn't, by the way, God doesn't make something go, this one's better than this one, but God does make things with what I like to call functional order, okay? There's functional order even inside the Godhead, and we talked about that when we we talked about the Trinity. And and men, there's a functional order to your leadership. I don't know why that is, but that's how God ordained it, okay? And I wonder why we're not more passionate about passing on spiritual things. Men, let me encourage you with this, okay? Uh, if you have teenagers, I have teenagers, I'm in the middle of a teenage thing, and, and it's an interesting journey, okay, so um, <laughs> let me encourage you with this, like, we have an amazing youth group here at Coastal Community Church, we really do, I was sharing, last week, um, our, our student director, Josh Horting, was sharing with some parents about the summer camp that they're going on, and I just kind of peeked my head in and gave an asked-for input, um, that he didn't want, but he he didn't ask for it, but I gave it anyway, and these parents were sitting there, and he was explaining the camp, and I said, parents, I want to tell you something, I've watched my oldest son grow in the Lord, and I said, it's been a couple factors, hopefully it's been our home life, of course, and I want to, that's the preeminent thing. We lift up Christ in our home. But but I said, man, I've watched him go to our summer camps and get fired up for Christ and then supplement that with the high school Bible study where he's reading the word on his own. And my son now reads his word on his own every single day. And I'm watching the word of God transform his life. Okay. It doesn't take a whole lot for me. Like once he started doing that, like I kind of didn't have to say much anymore. We have this really great youth group. And one of the things I've never been able to figure out, and I've been doing this now for 15 years in ministry, and I've never been able to figure out how parents will be engaged in their church, fired up by their church, and their 12 or 13 year old comes home from youth group and goes, I didn't really like it. And they go, OK, you don't have to go anymore. I never understood that. Because my kids come home from school sometimes and they go, I didn't really like English class. I go, ah, oh, don't worry about six period tomorrow. Just come on home for six period and whatever, you know? Like that doesn't happen. Right? I mean, if it's up to my kids, fruits and vegetables would never be on the menu, correct? But when it comes to spiritual things, and I want to tell you something, youth group, it's not, and by the way, if you're dropping your kids off and thinking that youth group's going to bring them up, then you've got it all wrong. But it's a great supplement. I've never understood where people were super involved in their local church and believe in connect, grow, serve, and also, but they don't believe in the community for their kids, right? And it's, a, teenagers are a tough spot, and, and you know, we, and by the way, we do the, our student ministry set up really, really well. They, we, ter, we don't have a youth room. I wish we did, and that will come someday, but, you know, this is our youth room, and they take this place, they turn it into a youth group spot, right, and, and they got games in here, and they have a lot of fun in here, and, and then they do a kind of a corporate worship setting, and they break up into small groups, and we have some great volunteer small group leaders are investing in your students, and they do serve projects. Connect, Grow, Serve is happening there, and it's just a great supplement what you're doing. Sometimes I'm a head scratcher, like, man, why are we not sending our kids there? Is it perfect? Yes. No, I mean, no, it's not perfect, but, but they're open to the word of God, and that's influencing our lives, I can tell you that, and... Um, Yeah, so that's my little side note, all right, little by the way, because I want us as parents to to be passionate, come to Christ with passion and humility, you know, and and my son, by the way, the son I just talked about, has been reading the word on his own, when he was 12 and 13, there were many, many weeks where I said, you know, you're going, right, you're going, I don't want to, you're going, (laughs) Uh, just because I'm the pastor doesn't mean that we don't go through some of those same challenges, right, you're going, and as, my, as a dad, it's my job to say, no, this is a great spiritual supplement for you to grow in Christ. <laughs> Dads, are you passionately pursuing Christ? Pastor Joey did a great job last week telling a story about his own dad, right? Where his dad he, One of the things he remembers about his dad was, was opening the word of God. Your kids ought to see that on occasion where you're in the word of God reading, all right? We have got to treat the human condition of sin and brokenness and the penalty of sin and the hope of overcoming the penalty of sin is the gospel of Christ as the most serious, important thing that you can invest in your children. This dad comes before Jesus and he says, my son is dying. You need to do something. And Jesus taught, don't be as afraid about the first death, be more concerned about the second death. Dads, we need to be pleading the, 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 the cause of our children before Jesus. And we need to be passionate and humility and pursuing him as this father was about his physical sickness of his son. We need to be the same thing about the spiritual well-being of our children. And this father, remember Jesus said, are you all ever going to believe without seeing the miracle? This father did that very thing. This is really cool. He actually believed Jesus without seeing the miracle. This is the first account we have here where this where people are starting to get it, right? They be, he believed Jesus without seeing the miracle. John chapter four verse fifty. Then Jesus told him, "Go back home, and your son will live." Okay, so did he see the healing of his son at that point? No, he had to go in faith, and the man believed what Jesus said, and he started home. And while the man was on his way, some of his servants met him with the news that his son was alive and well. And he asked them when the boy had begun to get better. And they replied, yesterday afternoon at one o'clock, his fever suddenly disappeared. Then the father realized that, uh, uh, that that was the very time Jesus had told him, your son will live. See, the very thing Jesus had been lamenting this group, were y'all ever gonna believe without seeing, uh, when are you gonna take me at my word on this thing? That's the very thing that happened here. This father was challenged, listen, he's fine, go ahead home, and he believed Jesus, and he went home. Remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about what it means to be a disciple, and according to the teaching of Jesus, one of the things I quoted one of my favorite pastors who said, you know, believing, uh, it's not, uh, believe for being a disciple is not simply hearing and believing but rather it's believing and doing right that's what it means to be a disciple we live in a culture that hears and that says, yes i hear and now i believe what is that a disciple someone says i believe and then i respond out of obedience and worship to the person work and words and teachings of christ and this man he walked in faith and his son was made well It's very difficult to pass on what you don't already have, all right? It's very difficult to pass on what you don't already have. Parents and men, you know, we need to be, we need to be growing in our faith. We need to continue to be stretching ourselves in faith. That, that there's, there's a lot of ways that you can model this for your family, right? Um. Hey, dads, you want to know one of the greatest gifts that you can give your kids? There's a lot of great gifts you can give your kids. You want to know one of the greatest gifts you can give your kids? Date his mother, all right? Date your wife. Dote on his mother. Now, you know, I get there's some single-parent homes going on here, and in that, you know, you still need to speak in a way that is uplifting to that your children's mother as best you can, always, 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 all right? Let God take care of sorting out the mess, all right? But, man, that's a great gift that you can give your kids. Dads, let your kids <clears throat> see your faith in generosity. One of the things that I do with my kids, I have a list of books that I go through with them through their teenage teenage years. Whether they get it all or not, I don't know. But one of them I actually do is I do one on... Um, on finance and we do one on budgeting, you know, and I take my kids through our personal budget and I say, here's our budget. And at the top of my budget is the word tithe. Okay. And we talk about, I I show my kids like, this is, this is how the brown house lives. Okay. Because we honor the Lord with our finances right out of the gate. All right. We want to, want to worship God with our finances. God, guys, let your, let your kids see generosity. Let your kids see you living in community. Be a part of a small group ministry where you're rubbing shoulders with other men or other couples or other people that's sharpening you to be more like Christ. Help them understand the importance of community. Take your kids along with you from time to time and serving. Find a ministry where you can serve together, okay? And let your kids see you do that. This this father he he exercised faith and it trickled down to his whole family because he gave his family the greatest gift you could give a family. Check this out: the greatest gift that you could give your family is this, John chapter eight verse fifty three. It says, "Then the father realized." So remember, he, Jesus says, listen, your son's made well. Go head home. Father heads home. Servants come out and say, hey, you know, your son's well. He said, what hour to get well? The man realized it was uh, the very hour Jesus told him. So check this out, verse 53. Then, then the father realized <clears throat> that this was the very time Jesus had told him, your son will live, and he and his entire household believed Jesus, all right? The faith in Christ was passed on. Passing on your faith in Christ is the greatest gift that you can give your family. And by the way, we we pass on a lot of things, don't we dads? It's incredible. and going back to my opening story, right? I mean, we pass on some fun things. I, I've passed on to my children my allegiances to sports teams. If, if you've ever seen my kids, it's obvious that I've passed on my good looks, okay? I mean, there's a lot of things that we pass on, you know? And, you know but there's, there really is nothing more important than passing on the faith that you have in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And truly more is caught than taught, there's a great little story in the book of Joshua, and I've used this before, and um, I just want to kind of reiterate. We actually used it as part of our campaign uh, when we left the school that we were renting to, to come on the building here that, uh, that God has blessed us with, and, um, and so it's, it's in Joshua, and if you know the story of the children of Israel, um, they were captive in Egypt. God raised up, raised up a leader named Moses to lead them out of captivity. Uh, the people of Israel disobeyed God. And and so God told them that this generation wasn't going to go into the promised land where they were going. And so God raised up a new leader with the new generation. And the new leader was named Joshua. (coughs) And Joshua had to lead the the people of Israel into the promised land. So remember, they crossed... The Red Sea by the miracle of Moses—that's the miracle most of us know about—and then they got to the Jordan River, and a very similar miracle happened, where the Jordan River parted, and the people went across on dry land. And in Joshua chapter four verse five, I've always thought this was really an interesting take. Okay, it says <clears throat> Joshua's are crossing the Red Sea. i um, saying so the Jordan River. Joshua tells them to pick up a stone. Okay, he gets twelve guys to pick up a large stone. It says. Each of you must pick up one stone and carry it on your shoulders, 12 stones in all, one for each of the tribes of uh, 12 tribes. And we will use these stones to build a memorial in the future. And your children will ask, what do these stones mean to you? Isn't that interesting? And then you'll tell them, they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord, the covenant, went across. And these stones will stand as a permanent memorial among the people of Israel. Twelve guys grabbed something like this. the Jordan River, got on the other side, and they took their stone man. And they just, they made made a pile. They stacked them high. And kids, man, they're inquisitive, aren't they? Kids ask some great questions. Hey, Dad, what, what does that mean? Make sure that you're passing on some spiritual markers. Oh, that one, that was the time I got baptized. I I was a follower of Jesus Christ, and kids, I I wanted to make sure that uh, my community that I worshiped, that they knew I was a follower of Jesus Christ, so I stood up and I had believers baptism at our local church. That's what that one is. Oh, Okay. they're going to run off and they're not going to ask you a lot of questions about it but that's going to sink into their heart and mind they're going to be running through the house and they're going going to notice man there's there's dad with the bible again doing his thing they're not going to ask you a lot of questions about it, but that's going to be one of the memorial stones that they're going to go oh and my dad was serious about the word of god Dad, where are you going tonight? Oh man, tonight's small group night. Tonight's tonight I get together with some other folks, man. We do this thing together. Okay. It's gonna be a memorial stone that sinks in their heart. Kids, we're gonna go up, man. And we're gonna serve one of the ministries because I don't wanna go. So it's like a great day to play Xbox, you know? You know like, no, we're gonna go. It's gonna be one of those memorial stones. It sinks into their heart. My fear is we have a generation of people that are not building memorial stones for their kids. And I've done far... And by the way, going to church doesn't make you a Christian. You can be a Christian without going to a church. I get all that. Okay, so please caveat what I'm going to say. With that understanding, I get it. But I've gone to far too many funerals where... So tell me about the spiritual markers of your parents. They haven't been to church in like 30 years, but man, I remember when. I remember, you know, they donated a couple times. Like what like what what did they do for the last 30 years? I mean, what were they doing? They went fishing? They caught a lot of fish? They hit their golf ball straight? I mean, really? Church doesn't make you a Christian, but man, I hope that when my, when you're kick, my kids are kicking dirt on my hole in the ground, that it's like, man, he he was in that book, man. He took that seriously. He prayed with us from time to time, and he, you know, yeah, he lost his temper every so often, right? He wasn't perfect, but he apologized, and I saw Christ in that. And uh, man, he, corporate worship with the community of believers was a priority in our home, and. And, you know, he, he wasn't always mom doing it. And, you know, we, we served some people that had less than us to reflect Jesus. And that was important to us. And, you know, he dated mom. Remember, he told us a couple times we had to stay home and they went out together. That seemed important. Like there's some just some memorial markers. So when they're kicking dirt on my grave, it's like, you know, the, following Jesus seemed kind of important to him. And uh, I need to make it important to me. Faith in Jesus Christ is the greatest gift that you can pass on to your children. Let's close with prayer. God, keep us from from entertaining ourselves to death, God. Uh, we have a culture that is so self-indulgent, God. Keep us from seeing our greatest value in life as getting through safe and soft and, and easy and comfortable. God, all those things are overflows and blessings of your goodness, but God, may we be a generation of people that leave some memorial stones some spiritual markers. May we be a generation of people that are passionate and humble in our pursuit of Christ. May we be a generation of people that... For all intents and purposes, we're we're the same here on Sunday morning in corporate worship as we are under the roofs of our homes. There's not a duplicitous, inauthentic, disingenuous faith. And God, I pray that these spiritual markers will be caught by our children And that the truths of Christ will be passed on from one generation to the next. There is no greater gift than the faith of Christ being passed on from one generation to the next. God, I pray for, even in the service, I see some of our families and some of our children. I pray for our children. God, there's there's a world out there that is pulling their attention away from righteousness and holiness and faith in Jesus and in Christ alone. I pray that you would protect the hearts and minds supernaturally of our families, of our children, God, and that our children would grow up in pursuit of Christ and that they might know the blessing of righteousness and the blessing of holiness and that their lives might be positioned under the blessings of God for the glory of God. protect our homes, God. In a very real sense, there is a spiritual war going on for the hearts and souls of our our men, of our women, and of our children. God, I pray for Coastal Community Church, it might be a little respite from that, God. It would be this... Actually, Jesus, you said you'd build your church and the gates of hell wouldn't stand against it, God, that we would be literally storming the evils of the enemy and that your kingdom would come on earth as the truth is passed from one generation to the next. And then, God, we give you thanksgiving and praise that for those in Christ, that hole in the ground called a grave doesn't have final say over that person. Jesus Christ does. And we look forward. Just as this father went home believing, God, we, we journey through life believing that what you said is true. You're preparing an amazing place for us called heaven, God. And we will be with you and we will be in community in a place that's perfect for all eternity. And we long for that day. Our hearts ache for that day. And so we journey, just like this dad, we journey in faith trusting the words of our Savior, Jesus. It's in his name I pray. Amen. Church, this is our offering time. If you're a guest with us this morning, we don't want you to feel any obligation to give. This service is our gift to you. Thank you so much for being here. As a guest, we'd love to have one thing from you. So that bulletin is a tear-off. We call that a Connect card. Uh, If you would fill that out and drop that in that offering plate, uh, we'd love to just send you a thank you card for coming. That's all we're going to do with that. If you're here this morning and God's working on your heart and you'd just like to talk to someone or pray with someone, we always have one of our prayer team members sitting up here on the front row. They have a purple shirt, man. They would love to minister to you, uh, maybe even you and your family in prayer. And so at any time during the offering, end of the service, please feel free to make use of them. Joey.